Welcome to the Call to Farms podcast. This is a rallying cry to embrace the land, cultivate self-sufficiency, and sow the seeds for sustainability. Hi, I'm Sophia Ng. I'm your host today, and I'm joined today by my husband, Tim Ng. Hey, everyone. I'm back. Where have I been all these past episodes? You have been interviewing some very interesting guests. We've been learning a lot of new things, and I've been playing a supporting role, uh, eating a lot of your amazing dishes that you've been making and farming the land. Yeah, thank you so much for your support. It's been what I've called a pre-order purgatory mm. since October 2023. Before launch, it's been back-to-back every weekend, whether I was at the Wise Traditions podcast or I was the featured speaker at MOFCA, which is the Maine Organic Farmers and Growers Association. We both spoke at the Back to the Land Festival. That's right. And did. it's just been back-to-back, so I really thank you for taking care of the extra farm chores and house chores while I've been gone. Aside from all those conferences, though, you and I have been on several podcasts. So it's been back to back every single week to every weekend. One of my favorite episodes with um, Christine Muldoon and Corey Dunn of Modern Ancestral Mamas, I was able to just talk about Asian nourishing food, and they were so excited about it. We're all Weston A. Price chapter leaders. So it was like speaking to the right audience. <laughs> that was an awesome podcast. And we had a great time because we actually met Corey and her family in person too when we went on vacation. Right. Yeah, yeah. down to Florida. We, uh-huh. It was pretty fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, and then we've also, you and I have both been interviewed with Billy Bond on his Permaculture Pimp Cast. <laughs> that was super fun. Oh my gosh. We were unfiltered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so if you... felt right at home. <laughs> okay. So if you want to learn more and hear more about us, the Pimp Cast is the right one. It's under the Homesteading Realtor episode. Together, we've also been interviewed on the Thriving Farmers podcast with Michael Kilpatrick, which was awesome because we met him at the Farm Where You Live conference in Clemson, South Carolina. That was another great episode. And Michael Kilpatrick has has had some very awesome and inspiring guests in the past. So we were very honored to be interviewed. Yep, absolutely. There's also a great episode on the Modern Homesteading podcast with Harold That was a very, very cool episode, and I've got a lot of responses from people who heard me on that episode, and we're just so excited to hear our story. We really dove pretty deep, and that was actually while you guys were at Legoland, and I was in the RV recording with Harold. (laughs) I heard that episode. You had some really great energy, high energy with Harold, and that was an awesome episode. Again, all like-minded people, so it was just really talking to... A brother. Yep, easy to talk to. Yep, and talking to a sister. There's Katie Kula from Growing for Market podcast. This was a really good one. We had so Mm -hmm. much fun on that episode. She is also a farmer, a two-time author. So naturally, I had we, we didn't have enough time on her podcast, so I invited her on our Call to Farms podcast, and that was just a couple of episodes ago. So listen into that one. That was really exciting. And then the other one is Kombucha Camp with Hannah Crum, who is incredible. We actually buy or we actually have bought all of our kombucha stuff from Kombucha Camp before. So it's really cool to be able to be in a position where this cookbook and our podcast has reached so many people all over the country. Spotify just did a review of 2023 and the stats are amazing. We are the 
top podcasts off of 75 subscribers. Uh, and that's phenomenal considering, yeah, wow. we started this a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. but we really ramped up again this year and we've been trying to keep up to two episodes a month. I think there was one month in there that we didn't make it, but I'm really trying to get this in by tomorrow, <laughs> November 30th. I can't believe it's only just been a month or two. We've just been having so much fun. We've adopted the same mantra that I had in the army. You know, we just keep doing whatever's fun. And when it's not fun, just stop doing it. Well, it's really exciting because it's this concept of ikigai, Japanese concept, where Hmm. it's like a Venn diagram and uh, an intersection between doing what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you're good at. And once you have all that combined, you figure out what your passion is, your mission, your profession, and your vocation. And this is all tied together as the ikigai concept. And actually, people in Japan don't actually retire. They they work hard up until they die. And wow. it's not even working hard. And people, we often get people coming to us and like asking us, how are you doing it all? But okay, first, I resent that because we don't do it all. We choose not to do it all. But we Mm -hmm. do the things that we love, what we're good at, what we can get paid for, and what we really, truly feel the world needs. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it doesn't feel like work. We're having so much fun. Mm -hmm. And I love hearing the response that we're getting from all over the world. That's right. I love that. Ikigai, super efficient. We are tired, but we are doing a lot of good things. It's kind of like doing a good workout and you feel in the burn. Mm, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's that's a good way to liken it too. Mm-hmm. And again, these podcasts, we don't get on until close to midnight. Right now, 1040, we oh. just put the kids to bed. It's actually it's early. early. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, only because I'm telling you quickly, let's not edit this and get it up by tomorrow because I, I have this goal to do two podcasts a month. So tomorrow's the 30th of November. You will see this podcast up tomorrow, rain or shine. There we go. (laughs) Edits or not, this episode is going up. So let's talk. What other things have we been working on? So as I've been gearing up to prepare for the Nourishing Asian Kitchen book launch, Mm. one of the things that I was given at Chelsea Green was a number. And really, it wasn't given to me. It was because I asked for it. And maybe that's my bad because I put the pressure on myself That's just how I'm used to working in the Bay Area, especially for tech companies. Typically, I have spreadsheets and numbers and data that I can pool. And when I don't have that, it makes me really anxious, like I've been flying blind. And so I had asked Chelsea Green, Sean, one of my good friends now, who is uh, the director of marketing over there, and, and asked him, well, what number is a good number that you think a book can hit? And so he gave me a number. And of course, naturally, I want to double everything because that's just how I am. For sales. For sales. Correct. Book sales for pre-order. And one of the things that you may not know is that for every book that is sold on Amazon, however you feel about Amazon, they still own this niche, right? This They started, Amazon started as a book selling company online. And so they they dominate the market. One of the things is that for every one book that they sell – Amazon will buy 10 times whatever that number is. So obviously, the name of the game is to get as many pre-orders on Amazon as much as possible, as much as I would obviously love to support our small local bookstores. This is something that I haven't been able to push because of the world that the publishing world that we have to play with um, and distribution. So all that to say, we have reached over half of the sales 
of our first print, and we printed out 8,000 books in this first print, and we've mm. sold nearly 5,000 books so far. Wow. And it's been incredible. Amazon actually ordered 15-fold. And typically in our tech world, I always shoot for 10X and 10X, like Grant Cardone, he has a conference that's 10X that we've been to. And it's that's so right. interesting because <laughs> 10X is a really good number. And that's, that's in an industry that I'm very familiar with in tech. And so to come over to this side and fly blind and not know how this completely new industry works with book publishing, to be able to get that has been an incredible response. And so I just want to thank every single person out there who has helped push out our message, our story from our friends in the podcasting world and the YouTube world to just being dear friends, like, you know, it's so interesting, because we got off of social media in 2020, because of just the whole dynamics, and we work in tech, and we you're, you know, military, obviously. So there's just a lot of things that we just didn't agree with. So we just got off of social media altogether. But Chelsea Green was the one that really encouraged me to get back on because of the book. So I said, fine, because of the book, I'll get back on. But only really to promote, like we're not putting any of our real personal stuff in there. But how do we use social media for good? And that's been a mission of mine from the very beginning, to somehow figure out how to amplify the word of mouth marketing and messaging, and to share our story to inspire others and to use a platform like Instagram or YouTube or Facebook for good. Um, because there's, you know, on the other side, I've been part of the person who has been managing $3 million of ad spend for these top Silicon Valley companies. And that's one of the things that I've decided I did not want to do. I do not want to spend a single penny to Meta, to any of these social media platforms for advertising. Yeah, thank you so much to everyone who's been supporting us throughout this journey. I mean, this past year has been crazy. You've been working so hard and diligently on this book. I'm so proud of you. And our story is being shared in this book. We poured everything out in this. And just to see the overwhelming support from our local community has has really just, wow, just captured my heart. Yeah, it's definitely something that I didn't really do. This was all God's perfect timing. It wasn't something that I set off to do. I didn't set off to do publishing. It, in fact, I told you I wanted to self-publish. I actually didn't even want to publish. I want This was something that I wanted to work on with mom and the children because as mom hit 75 years old and the children are 10, yeah. you know, by the time that they actually care about cooking food, they're going to be 20, but mom's going to be 85. So here I am standing in the gap with all of these recipes that mom and I have worked on together for the last 10 years and realizing that sooner rather than later, her memory is going to go. And as that happens, and so is her strength and her energy as she continues to age. And while that happens, here I am responsible for capturing and documenting our, our family stories, our history, our time together, and our recipes that I pass down, that I want to pass down to the children, and they have this as a time capsule for them and, and for our family. Yeah. But it wasn't supposed to be anything more than printing it out at FedEx and getting it spiral bound and gifting it to mom and the children for Christmas this year. <laughs> so amazing. And it comes out December 7th or 8th officially, but we already have copies in hand. 
we already have copies in hand. They printed it, went to the printer, went to the warehouse, and you drove 900 miles. Yes, I did. In less than two days to pick them <laughs> up for me for a silly book signing at Barnes and Noble, which was not silly, not silly. <laughs> it meant a lot. Barnes and Noble. Um, if you followed us on social media, Sophie was there a year ago, mm-hmm. psyching herself out at the cookbook section. <laughs> And I was telling her, like, what What are you doing? Yeah, you're why not are, mad at me. Why are you comparing yourself to all these other... I mean, yes, everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has awesome dishes that they want to share and recipes they want to share. But you have something that you can contribute and share to the world. You have to understand, I wasn't planning on writing a cookbook for the world. I was only going to write it and get it printed in three months and go back to work. And so when I asked you to drive me to that Barnes and Nobles, I wanted to psych myself out because I wanted to know, like, did the world need another cookbook? And even in this small town that we live in, there were still hundreds of cookbooks. And I just walked down the aisle and, and thinking, well, which book would I buy of right. these hundreds of cookbooks? Which one would you buy? And right. I remember saying, I wouldn't buy any of them. I wouldn't buy any in the international section because of all the ingredients in there. I wouldn't buy it in the health food section because I don't trust that either. Mm. And so then the next question was, well, would you buy this book if this book existed? Yeah. And I said, absolutely, a resounding yes, I would buy this book. And so when I finally came to that realization, that was when I said, okay, honey, I'm writing a cookbook for the world now. And that changed everything because that meant that we were going to have to dip into our savings. It meant that I would have to take more time off for writing this book that, you know, is a commitment. Well, yeah. And our family made a sacrifice. And that's why it's a beautiful thing that this book is published and you did your first book signing at that exact same Barnes and Noble a year ago. So that that's a huge accomplishment. You have to just receive it. So I love closed loop systems. What, exactly. There you go. So beautiful. What are some of the other exciting events that you have coming up to promote this book? So after that book signing at Barnes and Nobles, I have another event at Hex Ferments up in Baltimore, Maryland. That's mm. on December 9th. And I'm going to be doing bone broth, healing bone broth, as well as a vegan pho broth. So that's going to be really exciting. Uh, And then after that, I have a collaboration with Dr. Bill Schindler and Christina Schindler. He's the author of Eat Like a Human. They own a restaurant called Modern Stone Age Kitchen. It is amazing. And they also have a nonprofit called the Eastern Shore Food Lab, where they teach classes. So things on fermentation and sourdough and bone broth and how to butcher nose to tail. Uh, They have pork and, and wild hunting, sourdough croissants. Amazing. And they're just amazing people as well. So I have a two-day event that I'm going to be hosting together with the Schindlers at Modern Stone Age Kitchen in Chestertown, Maryland. The first day is going to be a sourdough pizza night that they always have on Fridays, but it's Mm. the first Friday of the month and in January. So what we're going to be doing is a chicken teriyaki sourdough pizza. And we've already, I sent him the recipe. They've tested it in the kitchen. They said it's delicious and people have already, um, they've already started to purchase it off the menu. So that's phenomenal. Day two is really exciting because Dr. Bill and I are going to be teaching how to make healing, nourishing bone broth, and I will be teaching you how we can elevate that and make that into a healing bone broth with 
the Asian spices, so cardamom, coriander, fennel, um, star anise, cinnamon, things like that, that really help us heal the body and the soul. These are these are soups that I ate during my postpartum time. We eat with mom and dad and the kids whenever someone's feeling a little off. That could be useful. Right it's going to be incredibly useful. And, yeah. and, and now is the time that we have our broth going. And I've just mm-hmm. been putting up reels because that's literally what I have going on the stove most days during the week, but especially yep. in the wintertime. And it's just, you know, going out for chores. Like right now we're hitting in the 20s at, at night. By the time we wake up in the morning, it's still 20 degrees. And so when we come back in, there's f- a fresh pot of bone broth yep. on the stove. And it's just so healing. And it's a great way to kick off the day. It's a great way to end the day. So we've got that. And then after that is going to be really exciting because... Well, wait, on that one, I'm looking forward to tagging along. Can people still sign up for this? So tickets, yes, you can still buy your tickets now. I think tickets are selling out for that class that Dr. Bill and I are doing. We're also doing a private dinner that night on Saturday, January 6th. And it's going to be me in the kitchen cooking for i think it's up to 60 heads of people Ooh, are it's gonna, you, you ready for that ready than ever <laughs> i mean when you've cooked in the kitchen with an asian mom who's yelling at you there you go <laughs> i can definitely cook with other people <laughs> maybe we should open up a place or a food truck maybe good maybe practice. maybe if i get the james beard award on this cookbook there you go that'll hint, be a good launch hint, hint. all right um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyhow so so then second night we're going to be doing a private dinner i will be in the kitchen making our vietnamese spring rolls vietnamese egg rolls Ooh. Yeah, it's going to be a Asian ancestral meatballs, as well as um, the best part is the beef pho. No, besides that, the best part. Oh, is- the best part is everyone's <laughs> going to get a drink ticket, uh-huh. and you can either get one of my favorites, which is a lychee martini, mm. or even mm-hmm. better is a milk tea boba. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) And it's all clean, real, nourishing, great for you. This is the Asian Ancestral Eating Weekend at Dr. Bill Schindler's restaurant called Modern Stone Age Kitchen. So go to the website. I will link it down below on this episode. Um, Go to the website and sign up because I think we already have quite a bit of people who are signed up for it. It's not yet fully booked for the dinner anyway. So Mm -hmm. book it now. Hurry up. And then after that, uh, I've got, I kick off and speaking again after January, I'll be at the Mother Earth News Fair in Texas in February. That's a big one. Yep. I'll be speaking there on Asian agriculture and homesteading as well as doing another pho demo. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I've got the Organic Growers School Spring Conference in Mars Hill just over the mountain for us. That's in March. And then I have, you and I both will be speaking at the Farm Where You Live conference. That's right. um, In Asheville, North Carolina. That'll be fun. Yep. And then I'll be joining Chef James Berry of Pluck at the Hack Your Health conference in Austin, Texas in June. Oh, I love Pluck. That's so great just to add that on everything. Yes. It gets your awfuls. It's great. Yeah. Off of um, putting it into our popcorn, putting it into, and I'll, I'll, I'll be talking about organ meats and doing some cooking demos. So it'll be really exciting. And Chef James is from our hometown in San Jose. He is. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) Neat fact. He's awesome. Uh, So I'm also collaborating and partnering with Maureen Diaz 
and her daughter Erin from God's Good Table will be hosting a retreat in Lubeck, Maine in June. And it's going to be so beautiful, so nourishing, so relaxing. You can choose to learn hands-on with us, or you can relax and have us serve you. (laughs) Is that sold out? We have not. I'm working on the sales page for it. So no, it hasn't been up yet. There are very limited rooms available since we we will all be staying together. It will be very intimate. It'll be a good time to collaborate, but also be with like minded people in our community who you can know, like, trust, and build together. And it's going to be in a gorgeous setting. It is going to be with delicious food. Absolutely. Always. Anything that Maureen and I do is going to be delicious and it's going to be beautiful. Lubeck, Maine is its most northeastern tip of the U.S. It's so beautiful. And in June, we'll see the lupine flowers all over. So it's a great place to just relax and learn. We're going to be visiting farms, doing whale watching tours Mm. and talking to local farmers. We're going to be cooking lobster. It's going to be fun. Mm. So fun. I love lobster rolls. Yep. <laughs> uh, wow. I'm already tired just hearing what's what's in store for us this coming year. Well, outside of that, I mean, we're going to be obviously in the farm and you and I will be tag teaming for the most part. We have been tag teaming on the farm, business side of the house. Seems like it's jam packed. What about the homeschooling side? What have we been focusing on lately? So we do a Charlotte Mason co-op. And those are a couple days out of the week. But also we... We do unschooling a little bit. We, I don't call it unschooling so much as I call it an eclectic blend of homeschooling, primarily focused on game schooling and sales psychology. So it's a hodgepodge hybrid of Charlotte Mason with playing games and psychology. Yes. So entrepreneurship. Oh, okay. There we go. Good. I like that term. (laughs) What do you want to be when you grow up? Entrepreneur. (laughs) Okay, so what are some of the games that we've been playing? Want to share that? Well, okay. We have been getting together with really good neighbors and friends who are also homeschooling, homesteading farmers. They're actually ranchers. And um, actually, they're the father. So our friend who I happened to just wave down one day when we first moved here last year, turns out to be, he's the Tennessee Farmer of the Year and had no idea. Uh, Well, pretty pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. They're also grass farmers. A lot of things align. And um, so interestingly enough, we have been doing game nights at their place. (laughs) Our families are super competitive. They're so, they're... We'll play everything. Spoons, Risk, Scrabble. I mean, all the classics. Okay, but spoons. Let me just tell you, I've never played that before. And that's a very violent game, apparently. I did not know how violent it could be. I yeah. thought it was just picking up a spoon, playing cards. It's a little, it's a little silly. It's a very physical game. Yeah. If you haven't played, but it then before. we played with them, and literally one of the daughters lost a fingernail. Okay. Yeah. From the dad. Well. <laughs> okay. Let's not scare the listeners. Besides playing spoons, just, yeah, we, we so we got beaten because physicality they they have the they have the advantage there for spoons. So we wanted to go back and beat them with our minds, and 
right? <laughs> so we were just talking about psychology. Psychological warfare is really... <laughs> exactly. So we're like, I'm going to go back. We're going to train up on Axis and allies and risk and scrabble. And that's exactly what we did. We went back. We came. We conquered. No, actually, it was very evenly matched up. We had a great time. Yeah, it's just great to play with a loving family that is also so competitive and they trash talk so bad well, but actually they like, trash talk by quoting scripture from the bible <laughs> and i was like wait wait wait! how do you trash talk with well that's that's another level <laughs> it is you really got to know your scripture <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways what i wanted to kind of bring up was that because of the psychology and the game theory you taught the girls how to play poker okay it look i Someone had told me, well, we don't teach them gambling. Well, you know what? It is not gambling. Mm. Poker is something that my dad taught me <laughs> really well. I mean, he didn't teach me much, but what he did teach me, he taught me very well. And I'm so glad that he taught me how to play poker. And it's not about how much money you make. It is all about understanding the psychology of people. And of course, my background is in clinical psychology, so I'm reading people all the time. Like, I can't turn it off, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes, uh, and, and so it, it, it has turned into a game for me where I can walk and talk to someone. I can read your face. And that's something that I want to pass down to you and, and share that with the children because they're it's a very useful skill to be able to have. And especially after 2020, with the many friendships that we thought we had that were tied to strong values, apparently was not. Mm. <laughs> and so because of that, it's something that I really want to get to the heart of as quickly as possible. So poker has been something that I can share with you and the children mm -hmm. when I'm talking about certain situations, um, certain relationships, mm -hmm. I can tie it back to psychology. Because ultimately, when I, I tell them it's not gambling, and the reason why is because the most important thing about playing poker is knowing when to fold. And that was something my dad taught me mm. very clearly and very early on. Because this is a skill that you use for poker, but more importantly, something that directly translates to the real life. One of the things that I worry about most is, are we going to be in a relationship, are the children ever going to be in a relationship where they have invested so much time and effort, right? Guilty of it, we have had relationships in the past where we might have spent a little bit more overdue time than necessary. Mm -hmm. Now, the question is, how do you know when to fold? And why do you think you need to fold? And those are questions that unless you've been hurt a lot, which also, unfortunately, I have been one, there are things that I can help you experience and read the tells beforehand mm. and in a game or in a hand like poker. So for example, one of the most important things that I teach them is to be able to look for consistency. Mm -hmm. Look at not just what they say, but at their actions. 
mom always said this all the time. She used to say, I don't trust anybody. I don't trust men. I don't trust your dad. So I think that's unhealthy. Like I learned that growing up. And I don't want that for the children. I don't want them to not trust their future husbands, not trust men. I get where mom was coming from. She had a lot of past hurts and past traumas. Yeah. But how can I teach them to be able to, because it's not just, it's not just men. Women will hurt you just the same. And so the question is, how do you read people by their actions? And that's hard sometimes, especially when you're young and all you can see or, or is what you can hear, right? And you don't pay attention to the patterns. And everything in life has patterns, especially how reading people, how people are. And that has been just so key because the faster that I can get them to read someone's heart, that's, that's key. That's money right there. I mean, God teaches us that we need to be able to discern Absolutely. Between the truth and between the lies. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what we're doing right here. Yeah. Using poker. Right. And observing how people bet. Right. In real life. Right. And most times I will tell them, mommy will check. Mommy will check the first round, you know, check on the river, right? No, check on the, mommy will check on the flop, yep. check on the turn, mm-hmm. and go all in and push on the river. Yeah, that's right. And that's because I've been able, that's how I read people. I check, 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 and then I bet. I check, 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 bet, check, check, bet, 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 bet. <laughs> and then I go all in. Break and it down, break it down. So check, check, meaning give them a buy. Someone acts a certain way, okay, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe you kind of give them a buy there. And then you're looking again to see, do you check again? Is it inconsistent of their behavior or is it consistent of who they are? Is that correct? You're looking for a pattern here? Absolutely. And it all, when I think about how I hired, I was a CEO and founder of a frozen yogurt shop. We opened that from scratch. And that was when we were 26 in 2008. And we started hiring And so we would hire a lot of these high school students or first-year college students. And so we had to look for certain qualities. And I think with my background in psychology, we had things that we were, I knew what to look for. And then fast forward to the high-tech world, where when we hire companies like Google and Facebook, one of the things that we do is we give the candidate a problem set after they pass, you know, the first conversations with the HR and the hiring manager. And so what happens then is we give them a problem set, give it to them for about a week, have them present to a larger team, defend that solution. um, And then we see how they respond before we give them an offer letter. And those are things that we can do in the tech world. But how does that apply to the real world and how does that apply which is i mean arguably tech world is the real world but how do we take that and apply it to where our world is now specifically in farming and homesteading and Mm -hmm. really trying to identify very clearly who our community is and who can we build with that was one of the issues that 
hurt so much in California Hmm. was thinking that we could build with people that we went to church with, that we spent many late nights in Bible study. But at the heart of the matter, when it came time to actually build... Put in the work. And put in the work, who was actually going to put in the work with us? Hmm. This is one of the things that I have realized we need to get to the heart of the matter as quickly as possible. That's right. And it's a tough, it's a tough thing to talk about, right? Like, I don't want it to be like, oh, we well, how do you select, try- right? Yeah. But in a way, you have to in order to have the right boundaries in place and so that you also don't build on sand, which was something that we did in California. And we had huge losses, not just of relationships, but of resources and finances because yeah. we had put a lot of money into building our homestead come to realize that we were building on quicksand. That's right. And so that's one of the things that when we moved over here and we say we moved over for community, we absolutely did move over for community because there's such a stronger group of people and a large amount of people who are also homesteading, homeschoolers, um, who value similar things. But now you need to evaluate their heart Do you want to share that real-life problem set you gave? Okay. So there's an opportunity to purchase some land and partner with a farmer. But we don't know them very well. I don't know them very well, other than the way they farm, which I trust the way they farm. So outside of our own meat and chickens and vegetables and how we grow, if we run out, They are the one set of farmers that I would say, yeah, I would trust. But how do you know that if we want to partner with them on a joint venture, for example, how can we evaluate that their heart is in the right place? So, I mean, I don't want to give out too many details. It is my secret sauce. That's right. But I do run scenarios. And I I set, I don't set. (laughs) You didn't intentionally set it up like that. But, I did it. But naturally, the way that you think, when we were looking back in hindsight with 2020 Vision, you did set up a problem set because you wanted to see how they would react, how they would respond to whatever you were, you were requesting or kind of giving a certain situation or scenario. You wanted to see how they would react to it. Right. So I check and I bet. Right. And that's that's what I'm talking about. Like I check or I bet and I want to play. Right. I want to play. Yeah, and this took a series of conversations and interactions Mm -hmm. for us to build a little bit more trust Mm -hmm. and get a little bit more excited with the prospect of partnering with them. Right. I didn't realize it at the time. I'm only realizing it right before we hopped on this conversation that I was like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? That's really cool because I basically took what I learned from being a business owner at 26 to being a tech executive um, and how I hired in these scenarios and then took it to the farm, in which case, you know, I, I'm i happy to put my best foot forward. The thing that I'm evaluating for, and not just farmers, but homesteaders and people in the community, is their heart. At the end of the day, I can't work with you if you are 
like even if you're the best farmer in the world, I need to know where your heart is because if you and I comes back to the icky guy, right? If I'm not working with the people who love the same way that I do, who are good at the same things, and not I don't need them to be good at the, all the same things, but like mm-hmm. are good at what they do, they know what the world needs, they know they can get top dollar for it because they know that they're the best and they're doing what they love. Like I need, how do you quickly, how do you evaluate that? Like, how do you evaluate for someone's heart? And, and that's, that's a tough thing. And, and so one of the things that I did was I was very, you know, I invited. So I I guess you could say I, I, I checked and, and then I waited for their response. Yeah. And I was very hands-off in my response. So I invited them to do a chicken butchery exercise with me. Yeah. And they butcher chickens. They're, they sell their chickens, obviously. Yeah, very we profi- also sell our chickens. Proficient in yeah, it. Yeah, they're very proficient in it. Yeah. But I wanted to see, like, how yeah. likely would you be able to help? And it's not your chickens. And it's not my chickens either. By the way, we're helping a neighbor with his chickens. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And it was, you don't have to. I don't have to, but I'm going to. Would you like to come? And they said yes. And so I could, okay, great. Here's a time and place. And he didn't follow up intentionally. Come the day of butchering, our friend was asking, so are your friends or your other friends coming? And I said, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I said, otherwise, I'm still doing these 25 chickens and butchering them in three hours. No problem. Yeah. But we'll see. And so I didn't call, I didn't follow up or anything. I was very hands-off about it. And they showed up, which was great. But then phase two. Well, I don't want to, don't give away all the secret sauce. I think that's a really good example you just gave. And I think that's a very clear example, too, of giving that that scenario where you didn't necessarily benefit from it, like the situation, because they weren't your own chickens. You're helping up a neighbor but you wanted to test them to see where their heart was. Are they willing to put that extra work in? Are they motivated to do this? Right. To build the relationship, build right. that trust, because we don't really know each other all that well. No. Right. And so that uh, that was beautiful, that it, it, how yeah. it worked out. And um, one of the things that they grow really well is cabbage. That's right. And Huge. they, I was ready to buy this cabbage from them, and they ended up gifting it to us. It was the most beautiful, fresh head of cabbage. Like I have not even been able to grow our cabbage like this, even under like great soil and I'm watching over them under a hoop. Like it still isn't as beautiful and fresh. So what I ended up doing was, you know, I said, hey, well, let me pay for it. And they said, no, 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 it's okay. We want you to have it. And I said, okay, well, let me, let me get you coffee. We were meeting up for coffee and they said, no, we already got coffee. Don't worry about it. I said, okay, well, thank you so much, but I'm going to get you back. <laughs> and, and you did. And well, right, but I didn't know how. I didn't, what, what do we have right now? And, and the thing with like homesteaders or farmers is that, especially people who expect a certain quality like ourselves, we kind of grow and make our own best thing. So with your hands. With your hands. Which is something so different from the tech world. Like if someone gave me an opportunity, I would buy them something, right? Like it was always a transactional 
more or less a cash transaction. Yeah. Right. So if you gave me something, I'd I'd give you a gift card to your favorite place to shop. Yeah. But it wasn't anything that I made. And almost if I made something, if I if I made vanilla extract and I gave it to someone in tech, they would think that was like a terrible hand me down. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, uh, it wouldn't be cherished. You regift this to me. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's so strange that now on this side of the world, where I think when you meet the right people who are like-minded, you know, I I took this head of cabbage and what I was going to do was I was just going to cut it up and put it into a soup that you and the children like. And it was such a busy day. It was a Monday, so I've got like deals happening, interviews, and I was going to just chop it up and put it into a broth and soup. Well, as I got to cutting it, I realized that I didn't want to cook this. Like it was so beautiful and cabbage is really nourishing. And so what I ended up doing was thinking, how can I gift this back to the farmer and make this more healing for them to show my appreciation, Mm -hmm. like my love and appreciation. And what that was, was taking the extra hour to chop everything up and turn their cabbage into sauerkraut, mm. fermenting it with our own whey from our raw dairy, with real salt from Redmond's. Mm-hmm. I mean, squeezing everything with my hand, packing it in several times, and then realizing you know, I, I can't wait to give this to them. It's going to be great pre and probiotics. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great for their gut. And this is going to be from the cabbage grown from their own soil. Like you can't get any better than that. And so I'm excited to give this to them. I'm going to give it to them um, on Friday. And I'm going to actually go over to their farm and help them butcher their chickens. Because now I feel like we have a relationship that we can build on. I'm so glad that you shared this scenario because it wasn't just us testing their hearts. It's a two-way street. We have to build trust with them as well. And you showed your heart by taking that cabbage and converting that into a very nourishing uh, dish for them, sauerkraut, and gifting it back to them and also volunteering to help them with their own chickens. It's beautiful. That That is that closed loop again. <laughs> I know, but... This is this is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like I have to get to the heart. And sometimes I test people first. Like yep. like I I want them to take like I'll I'll take you know, I'll bet or I'll check. I'll take I'll be in the first position to do something and then I'll wait to see whether they will check or bet or if they raise, great. You know, but all that to say I'm looking for consistency. I'm looking for how this person plays. I'm looking for, because that's how I get to your heart. That's how I can see your heart. Another important note to mention is that we're not looking for fairness. We're not looking for splitting it down the middle, oh 50-50. I mean, that, that sounds fair. Hey, you do this, I'm going to get you back and do this for you. I remember doing this as a kid, like, I'm going to buy a $20 gift for my cousin. I better get a $20 gift back from them. Otherwise, I'm going to feel like I mm-hmm. got shorted. But that doesn't work when you're in community in farming. 
It's all about giving. Right. And we want to work with those who give more than they take. Right. And it's almost offensive when you work in community and you have to pay cash. That's right. Like split down the middle. Yeah. Splitting gas costs. It's just, or sp- splitting feed costs, right? Like That's one of the splitting things. Splitting hairs, literally. <laughs> one of the things that John uh, said today when we talked to him, John's our mentor, John and Maggie, um, was he said, hey, looks like the feed fairy came today. And oh, that's right. He he's did. talking about you because I'm his feed fairy and I'm your gas fairy. <laughs> yeah, you're my gas fairy. I love my gas fairy because I'll run low on gas and magically in the morning I will have a full tank of gas. You're rolling your eyes. That's because this morning your gas was on empty because I haven't driven your car in quite some time. <laughs> I didn't see the light go off. Okay. Well, <laughs> back to John. Yes, I'm yes. his feed fairy. I saw I went down low, and I know that he works long hours, so I went the extra step and picked up some feed. It's, because, you know, we're we're splitting the cows, but it doesn't mean I keep track of, hey, I bought you two bags here, you owe two bags next week. It doesn't work like that. I don't want to have to be on the hook or he have to feel the pressures of being on the hook. Right. And that's why I love our relationship. There's no expectations. Yes. Just show up, and we just give to one another. That's it. It's right. just all about love. I And I love that. It's how, and, and Joel said it in the podcast that I interviewed with him, where he said, when you're in community, you cannot outgive one another. That's right. And I feel like, obviously, John and Maggie are a prime example of that, Maggie especially, um, and John too. So I don't want to, you know, downplay John, but, you know, Maggie was my mentor, and and so we always tried to one-up one another with giving. And it was really fun. And so I've, you know, in, in every single relationship after, and since moving here, really to be in community is to figure out how we can outgive one another. I don't want to calculate if he's got one cow that's A2, A2, and we have an A1, A2, and then we collectively own an A1, A2 cow that actually makes less cream out of the other two. How are we going to split our daily milk? Is it, or our weekly milk? Ours is a high producer, but it's A1, A2, and theirs is an A2, A2 with lower produced milk. How many jars did you get today? You know, how much cream did you get today? It, it's just, you're already giving me a headache. I can't even think about it. And I don't it. want that. It's too confusing. I don't want that anymore. I don't want spreadsheets No. in my community. I don't want it. I want it in my work. I do not want it in my community. No. So. That's a good point. And so we want our children to be able to spot these tales. We want them to play poker, learn how to read people, and observe how they're betting. And what's really interesting is now that they we play with them mm-hmm. and they know how to bet and they know how to play poker. That's right. The interesting thing is when we have certain relationships that we're trying to talk through, whether they're business relationships, like, hey, you know, I had this conversation. This is how it ended up. Or you have a client situation and we talk about it. We can talk about it in, ter- in poker terms. And it makes perfect logical sense to the children. 
in which case I have not had another opportunity to break it down in a way that they could easily identify the patterns. And so I can now say it's like mommy having pocket rockets and you having an ace two. So how mommy played, right, was I checked and there's an ace on the board and you have a pair, but mommy's got trips. So I, I bet and you have and you 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 followed or you raised me and I just called. And then at the end of the river, mommy went all in. Should you have gone all in? Should you have known to fold? And those are the situations that are so hard because what do you do when you've already invested all this time or all this money and now you realize, oh shoot, this is something I need to fold. And either I fold now or I call and I push all in and I lose everything. I'm trying to prevent the children from losing everything by knowing when to fold. That's awesome. I kind of find it a little hilarious because you're Americanizing Asian parenting. I mean, growing up, having your Asian parents go, hey, look at that kid. That kid's uh, being unruly and making a big scene at the store. Don't be like that kid. <laughs> that, that's what Asian parents do. They'll be like, see, look at that, look at that kid. Don't be like that one. <laughs> and you're explaining it in poker terms. I like that. You just, it's very nice. You've Americanized this type of parenting. <laughs> Isn't there a scene in Crazy Rich Asians, that scene where the main character, she's a economics professor at the university and she teaches game theory uh, and specifically that's, poker. That's the opening scene, yeah. Is it the okay. It's opening? Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. And then they play Mahjong at the end, her and her future mother-in-law. And it's all game theory. It is. When you realize that it's all game theory and understanding that, I mean, I'm not saying... <laughs> You're not saying life's a game. Like life's, well, I, sometimes I, I'm I'm not saying that. Like you know, it's just really exciting. It's when you look at it. I do, I do see life as a game because if I didn't see it as a game, I would be all up in my head with imposter syndrome, and I'd be too ser- taking everything too seriously. You would, yeah, which you kind of do already. Well, I do, <laughs> but it is a game, and when you realize it, it becomes fun. Because then you can understand why people do what they do. What they do. Right. You're right. That's what you taught me. Yeah. And when you understand that, you don't take offense. Hmm. You really don't take offense. You just basically say, yeah. no, I'm good. <laughs> that's fine. I'm good. I'm going to draw the line right here. And I don't want to play anymore. I want to fold, you know? And that's important. That is so important to know. Yeah. That's exciting. I'm so glad that we were able to share Actually, we've been sharing it with other families, homeschooling families, that we've been teaching game theory and more specifically Texas Hold'em and being able to explain how we're tying in psychology into the teaching. So that's great. It's great for the children. Another thing we've been teaching the kids is budgeting. So that's, I'm really excited. Uh, The oldest, the eldest one, she celebrated her birthday not too long ago and she is a voracious reader. She likes to read a lot of fiction books. And I said, no, can you read some nonfiction books too? So we gifted her Ramit Sethi's book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich, and also Dave Ramsey's book, Baby Steps to Becoming Millionaires. We said, you know what? Schools, and they don't teach us how to budget or how 
the value of money and how to be good stewards and that we want you to learn this. This is a valuable skill to have. You can teach mommy and daddy too. You can, te- <laughs> you can teach you can teach baby sister too. Like this is this is some valuable skill sets that you should learn. Yeah, didn't weren't there some videos that we watched? That's right. Mm-hmm. We enrolled her in this course where she got to watch some videos of students, college students who went to prominent universities and even went on to graduate schools, and they ended up not even using what they learned. They got into some totally different career field. I'm raising I'm raising my hand right now. Because they said that they all went to college because that was what was expected of them. And you and I, we we can attest to that growing up. Guilty. That yeah, exactly. We were pressured, you know, Asian influence. We were totally pressured to study hard, get good grades, and go to a prominent university because that's supposed to open up doors for a great high paying career. And these videos showed a lot of students. There were maybe 20 accounts, real life accounts, where they just said, you know what, we ended up majoring in debt. And that's, that's the moral of this whole thing. Uh, the lesson one actually was you do not want to major in debt. You do not want to go to college to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life because that is super expensive and it is time consuming. You're wasting time, you're wasting money. You have to do your homework ahead of time and figure out which career path you want to go to. And college might not be a good fit. <gasps> yeah, say it isn't so. <laughs> In this day and age, yeah, you need to look and see what you want to actually do for the rest of your life. And if you don't need college, then don't go to college. Don't incur unnecessary debt. How silly is that? Because prior to 2020, we were kind of brainwashing our children to give them one of two options, Harvard or Stanford. And we were preferring Stanford so we could stay local. That's right. And wow, so much has changed since then. And our views have, I mean, I feel like we've just opened our eyes a lot. And it has really changed how we homeschool and the lessons that we want to emphasize with our children. I'm just so glad that we're able to, (laughs) I'm just so glad we're able to connect again. It's just been so long. You've been interviewing and getting on some exciting podcasts in the past couple of months. We've been going to uh, great conferences. We've been ramping up on the book and I'm really excited for the upcoming events I get to tag along to many of them, <laughs> and we're going to be enjoying it, enjoying spending more time with you on this, and I love what we're doing with the children and just giving this quick update that it's not all hard work, it's not all you know doing the farm thing, even though farming is very, very rewarding, but there's a lot of games we like to teach them, games that teach them to think, teach them life skills, and we wanted to share it with you. Yeah. Hopefully you can take away some of the nuggets and start thinking about how you want to build community and what you need to look for, because it's something that we fumbled a lot when in California. Absolutely. And um, and can lead to a lot of hurt. And so that's what we're trying to teach the children, but also wanted to share this message out so that if you're out there, just check your heart. Yeah. <laughs> 
And thanks so much for listening. We've been gaining so much more viewership. It's so fun and exciting just to get online and just chat at night. I know I've been away for some time, but I'm going to do a little bit more frequently. And we can see there's a lot of people listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Hit the like button and subscribe. Absolutely. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well. We just hit over 600 subscribers. Wow. Which has been great because it's all been organic. We haven't really posted that many videos up, but our story's been getting out there Mm -hmm. and people have been sharing it out. So that's just wonderful because it motivates us to continue to build out more content for everyone. Even though, yes, none of this is being monetized because this was just a fun project and it still is a fun project. It's fun. (laughs) And if you've been listening to our other episodes and call the farms and you feel the urge to look for some land, look for some property, reach out to us. You can find me on homesteadingrealtor.com. I'm also on Instagram at homesteadingagent. And if you need a loan, you can check out Sophie at freedomfundings.com. And I do residential, raw land, construction, even commercial. All of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So feel free to reach out if you want to take a look into homesteading and learn more about how you can grow your own food. Starting with, and you can start that anywhere, whether you're on a balcony um, or, you know, quarter acre like we were at before. You don't need that much land at all. You don't. You don't need a lot of land just to feed your own, yourself and your, or your family. Yep. But start questioning and know your farmer, know where your food comes from, know what your food eats. That's what we're all about. All right. Till then, stay healthy, everyone. That's a wrap.